welcome to Truvine Talks with Rachel and Caitlin and our honored guest, Miss Kaylin. Thank you. Caitlin France. So Miss Kaylin, tell us about you. I am Kaylin France, and thank you all for having me. It's such an honor when you asked me to be a guest on the podcast. I was so excited because I love listening to the podcast, um, and I love being able to talk about mental health and also learn more about mental health because I am currently working on my master's, and I'm getting close to being done with my master's degree, so anything I can do to um, help in that field. I really enjoy that. Um, do you want me to tell you, start off by telling you about my position that I'm currently in? Of course, if you want to. Okay. So um, I recently in August switched jobs and I kind of got my dream job. So I'm super excited about that. And I love the position I'm currently in. I am a student success specialist. It's a tongue, it's a tongue twister with um, student support services at Marshall University. So what student support services is, it's actually one of the TRIO programs. And we um, serve around 200 students in our program. And it is low income or first and first generation students. That is our population that we serve. So uh, we do a wide variety of things in the program. There's not one specific job or role we have. Um, we do a lot. So our main focus is obviously retention and to get these first generation students to graduate college and be the first in their family to graduate. So they come to our program and we assist in academics. So academic advising, helping them with their schedules, the classes they need to take. So anywhere from the academic advising part of things to being on campus to helping with their FAFSA, any resources that they need on campus, getting books, um, you know, if they're struggling with that, just connecting them with all those resources they need. We do a lot of referrals to Voc Rehab, which um, helps students with disabilities and things like that. And then we also do mental health. You know, if we have students come in um, in distress and they need that mental health counseling and things like that. So we also have like activities um, sometimes after hours and things like that, um, such as we've had board game nights and just different activities. We really create a little family for these students who, you know, some of them, this is all that they have once they get here. So important to, yeah. for them to have this like support network. I love that. I'm yeah. muted. The dogs in the background barking. Go ahead, Caitlin. I actually, um, Caitlin and I have been friends for many, many years, and um, we were actually in this program together in college. Um, I was first generation, didn't really know what I was doing, and uh, they really helped me tremendously. And actually, I, I would say that experience and that support that I got from uh, 
Bonnie Bailey, who is now over Student Support Services, the director there, Kaylin's boss. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to become a counselor, um, just because she helped me so much and supported me, and I wanted to be able to do that for other people. Yeah, Caitlin and I were in the program together, and then we also did work study together. Um, so we were both students in this program, and before I was a student in Student Support Services, there's actually another, pro one of the other TRIO programs is Upward Bound, and that is for high school students. So I actually got involved in TRIO programs in high school, and in the summers, I was taking classes on campus here at Marshall, getting familiar with campus and everything like that. And I can honestly say if it wasn't for TRIO programs, that I doubt, very seriously doubt that I would have ever graduated college. Oh, so what do the TRIO programs kind of help you with when you're there? Everything. You can literally come in this office a crying mess and have no idea what to do, where to go, who to ask for anything. And they will make sure that you are taken care of. No matter the issue, if they don't know how to solve it, they will find someone on campus who does. Nice. And we'll have Rachel ask the next question, or one of them. <laughs> sure, yeah, I'll ask. Um, so would you say that it was like your experience in these programs and having a safe place to go and ask questions and get support that also inspired you to go into the counseling field or was it something else? Oh, absolutely. That definitely played a huge role. And I always knew that I wanted to help people. And I, I, I really like working with high school age, college age students. And in my previous position as a financial aid counselor here on campus, so I've been on campus for years, um, I was able to help students um, and at the college level, but then I wanted to also be able to do more and help them more with mental health as well. Like I wanted to be able to incorporate mental health and um, it's such a need on campus. So um, this position allows me to not only help them academically, life in general, but also with their mental health. So this job allows me to do all the things that I love. Have you always had, yeah, counselors were all kind of impasse and oh, yeah. Have you always had those qualities, Kaylin? Yes, I would say definitely yes. And I think that everybody who knows me would probably also agree that even at a very young age, I was um, very empathetic to everyone. Mm -hmm. And that sort of, is that kind of what inspired you to move into this? Yeah, I just felt like it was my calling. Like, oh. you know, I felt like that was my calling and you know, if you're called to do something and then you're already an empath and you care so much about people, I just feel like you're just led in what you're supposed to do. Can you tell our listeners what an empath is versus not? I think people don't always know that definition. Do you all think so? Mm, it could be new for some people, sure. Yeah, so 
I'm sure that you can, you know, people are going to have different explanations of what an empath is to them or how they feel as an empath. I definitely feel as an empath, you um, have to be able to, you know, even though you may not be the one experiencing something, you have to be able to put yourself in their shoes and not just think, oh, they must feel like this. You actually need to get in the mindset and be able to feel those emotions that they are feeling, if that makes sense. That makes good sense. Yeah. Who's that character on Guardians of the Galaxy that she has the antennas? What's her name? Caitlin, you know. No. I can't (laughs) remember her name, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, she always feels what her friends are feeling she just mm-hmm. and she'll start to like if sad is happening for someone mm-hmm. else she just automatically cries yeah yep and that is true that 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 explains an empath yeah that's it a- is power mm-hmm. what caitlin it is a superpower i think sometimes but we have to also learn how to uh turn it off at times when we're in the helping profession, but not everybody has the ability to have this empathy mm-hmm. and understand how others feel quickly. Mm-hmm. I find it very helpful, especially working with clients that uh, are learning how to name their emotions. They're very detached from their emotions and they struggle. They'll be describing something to you and like as an empath, I'll start feeling, right? And I'll be like, I'll describe that to them. I'm like, I don't know about you, but I feel like this pit in my stomach right now and this heaviness in my chest. And I kind of just want to cry. And they're like, yeah, that's what it's like. And I'm like, oh, what an awful feeling. (laughs) Yeah. I think for a lot of people, when they work with an empath or with a therapist who is very empathetic, um, it's like the first time they've ever felt seen. Mm. And that was definitely my thinking back to those many years ago as a 18 year old kid in college who had a lot of trauma um, working with a counselor um, who was in this role kind of like a school counselor for college kids um, just being seen for the first time and acknowledged and you know not told to rub dirt on it and go on but told oh okay, so you went through some stuff. Let's actually like process that and see how we can deal with that and get better instead of just stuffing it down and keeping going. Well stated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well stated. Lo- and Rachel does an amazing job of tuning to her clients and they always are so appreciative of the, you know, just what's happening in your body. And Caitlin has that soothing voice and Caitlin has this wonderful presence and she's just, I think you just attract people, Caitlin, to your office. I'm sure they're like, (laughs) students are like, hey, can I just talk? Sometimes I come in just to hang out. They're like, can I just sit in here and eat my lunch? (laughs) (laughs) That means you're a safe person a safe place for them yep and that's another that's another huge part of the program is you know this office is their safe place um 
this is where they can come and we have so we all three of us have like our own office but then in general we have like a lobby that has couches a tv and then we have two computer labs um that have the computers and everything like that so not only do they get to come in here and talk to us and have their regular meetings with us and everything like that it's also a lounge for them to come and hang out um, so in between classes or if they just need a break, they're, you know, having issues with their roommate or just anything like that, they can come in here and, you know, relax and, you know, just feel comfortable. We have a coffee bar set up for them. We have a so refrigerator nice. in here that they can, you know, if they pack their lunch, the ones who commute to campus and don't live on campus, they can put their lunch in here. And then a lot of them, they will go to our computer labs and do their homework because, you know, it's quiet in there. They can focus. They can bring their study groups in here with them. And there's a big whiteboard. There's, you know, anything that they need. We have supply, school supplies in here for them as well. So this is just, and they can print all of their stuff in here. So they really utilize, you know, the lab and the lounge and just the whole office in general, really. We need a lounge. That's awesome. Yes, That's great. Yes, so many resources. The TV has Netflix. I mean, they'll just be sitting out here watching Netflix some days, you know. Awesome. Yeah. So what is this journey that you've been on working with, um, you know, high school students and college students kind of taught you about the specific needs of this, this age group? Okay, it has definitely taught me a lot. And um, I mentioned that I was a student in the Upward Bound program. Well, after I was a student and I came to college and I was an SSS, I actually was um, an advisor and then the head advisor of the Upward Bound program as well. Nice. So I went back and was the head advisor of that program. So I was in charge of the high school students that I once was and everything like that. So I took on that role. And I always say that um, that job taught me more than anything in life, um, more than any textbook ever could, more than anything like that, that job and that role. And um, it really opened my eyes to how vulnerable high school students can be and how much they need guidance at that age. Um, so much, yeah. so much guidance. So I think that's really what um, led me to want to work with that age group. And then, you know, the college age group, because I feel like those are, that's the age where they really need that guidance, especially, you know, if they're in high school, getting them prepared for college, especially if they, neither one of their parents went to college and they don't know anything about that. They need somebody there that's going to be able to teach them, help them, and guide them along that path. I keep getting just the image of a compass as you're talking <laughs> about, like, right? Like someone, where, yep. what direction do I go? Help me. Yep. And that's literally, they come in sometimes and they're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm here, but I have, I don't, I don't know anything, you know? And so that's where, you know, we step in and um, where their guidance yeah, what stage is that, Caitlin? That stage of development between twelve and 
ask Caitlin because she works a lot with youth. I, I forget what that stage is. The Erickson stage. You all remember? I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the actual name, but when she was describing like the vulnerability of this age group, you know, they're still kids. Mm -hmm. Yes. They are, yeah. still, they are children and they still need help. They need guidance. They may have adult looking bodies, but still kids. And some yeah. of them, I'm, you know, I'm sure you all see this too. They have had to grow up way too fast um, oh, just yeah. because of the things that they've experienced in their life. And, you know, although they've had to grow up fast, that doesn't mean that they're ready to take on all of this by themselves. Right. Yeah, they're trying to figure out who am I? What am I doing? Yeah, identity yeah. versus confusion. That's what Thank we're looking for. Thank you. Yeah. Identity versus confusion. And how many of us were confused as teenagers? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 So many of them will literally say, like, I don't know who I am. And I'm like, you're not supposed to. That's what this phase of your life is all about. Like, you're figuring that out. Yeah. Something that sticks yeah. out to me is um, I read something one time that said, um, you know, kids come in straight after not all of them but the ones who come in straight after high school come to college you know just the month before they got here they were having to raise their hand and ask to go use the bathroom and then you throw them to college and you're like what do you want to do for the rest of your life at 18 years old they you know you can't expect them to know all of that at such a young age Right. There, there are so many changes exactly. from high school to college. I mean, they're sitting in lecture halls with two, 300 people, you mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I think about like the counseling process in general, we always use this analogy where um, we're holding their hand and they're walking into the water and they're tiptoeing into the water and we don't throw them out in the deep end and just leave them. Yeah. And this program that Kaylin is a part of, Student Support Services and, and her role, um, it's kind of like a holistic, um, you know, a, a, like, uh, role for that. Like she's, she really is holding their hand and walking them and not just throwing them and leaving, which is what some of the kids, that's what happens to them. Yeah. Right. How did that's so that's so true, Caitlin. They feel like they're just being thrown out into the deep end of the ocean. And here are all these sharks. Now I love Rachel's mm -hmm. imagery. So I'm going to use a little bit of that. There's sharks, but then there's some friendly dolphins out there, but you don't know. You don't know. You're just trying to figure out where you're swimming. So what it it's like Caitlin for a lot oh, of college kids. Absolutely. Some never even been exposed to the drugs or, you know, sex. Just and, then, and then you have some who have been exposed to way too much. Yeah. Um, so then you've got a, a whole mix of, you know, students who haven't been exposed to anything and then students who have been exposed to way too much. And then you're meshing them all together. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm -hmm. How important you all chime in because. You all know I talk too much. How important is it for this age group, based on what everyone's sharing right now, 
to be with a counselor from the start? Oh, very important. And I will say, so our office is in Pritchard Hall on Marshall's campus. And um, right down the hall from us is the counseling center on campus. And that is part of um, the students are able to use the counseling center for free on campus. And they do have an they always have a counselor on call for crisis and emergencies and things like that as well. So even if um, they don't have an appointment scheduled and they're just, you know, need in immediately, they do have those available. So that's really nice for our students. Um, but actually getting the information out to the students, you know, some of them, they don't even know what counseling is, you know? So I'm, you know, they're going to come in here, they're distressed, they just don't know what to do, they're crying, they're a mess, but they don't really know, they don't know about counseling, okay, so that is part, another part of our job, yeah, we, d we do mental health counseling, but sometimes there are some students who they need the more regular counseling, and you, you know what I mean, so mm -hmm. then we can refer and help them get connected and everything like that as well. But starting off with just explaining to them about counseling, telling them about counseling, you know, because not all of them know. Do you all have a shortage of counselors per student? Um, On campus? Like, do you all do have- Do you mean like, like in our counseling center? Right, to match what the needs are? Oh, I would say absolutely. I, mean, I would say every college. And I would say does. every yes, yeah. yes. I would say absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Something I, I'm really curious about your opinion, Kaylin, is so like this generation of college students right now is very unique because they all experienced the pandemic either at the end of their high school career or the beginning of their college career so like during this big life transition and they've all been um you know taking in like social media tiktok and everything for the majority of their life so what what kind of like mental health needs or concerns do you notice the most um i see a lot of students with severe anxiety and depression. So that is the most common things that I see. I mean, we see a little bit of everything, um, but that is the most common. And a lot of students with ADHD, um, a lot of students with ADHD and then other um, learning disabilities as well. But um, I think that <laughs> what we're trying so hard to get those students who they're so used to you know, how life was in the pandemic and everything being virtual and everything like that is getting them to socialize, to actually be involved and, you know what I mean? Get them out socializing and not just going from class to their dorm and staying in their dorm and not doing anything just because that's what they were so used to having to do. Mm -hmm. And then that creates, you know, the depression. You're you're in your room alone and you're not doing anything and, you know, things like that. Yeah. 
So they're like subconsciously self-isolating yes. out of habit. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like that they are. Yeah. Okay. Or they're just so used to, I'm going to go sit on my phone or on my computer or play my game. Um, and there's all this stuff going on out on, you know, on the plaza, there's activities going on and things around campus and everything like that. But instead of they're walking right past to go to their dorm and sit on their phone or on their computer, yeah. you know, I think that they're just in that habit. They're just in that habit still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can't give these young people a hard time for doing that because right. we were all made to sit yeah. at home in a quarantine. Yeah, that's why I said so, out of habit. Like that's mm-hmm. what we did for th- two years of our lives. <laughs> yeah. And like what Kaylin said so well, isolation decreases serotonin in the brain socialization increases serotonin and dopamine. Yep. And that's another reason that we really um, like to have activities in our program to get all our students together um, and try, you know, try to get them involved, get them out of their dorm room. Even if it's coming to the office, all of them gathering and playing games, board games, or things like that, eating pizza and playing board games, just something to get them out of their dorm and get them socializing with each other because we see that they often form a lot of friendships in the program. And, you know, that's people that they're friends with for the rest of their lives after they leave college and things like that. So that is an important aspect of our program as well as creating that community for them and those friends and things like that. Yeah, connection and belonging so important you know when you have that support group to lean on and encourage you feels like you can take on the world and then you also you're in you know they're in the program with other students who have similar backgrounds than they do they've been through similar similar situations than they have um so they can relate to them and they can form that connection because you know they have a lot of similarities Awesome. I'll let Caitlin ask the next question if she likes. (laughs) I think that's huge. Um, Whenever you said like, um, like they just walk past, I was thinking sometimes I catch myself missing lockdown. Like as as anxiety and sometimes gets overstimulated. I'm like, man, I just miss not having to interact sometimes. (laughs) No that that's not good for my mental health to self-isolate. And I know that when I am with friends and I make myself get ready, whenever I meet my friends and go do something fun, I'm like rejuvenated for the week and I'm in a good Mm. mood. Um, So I thought, I thought that was interesting because our kids are, are going through that way more than we are. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, Caitlin. That's so well stated and, When you're already an empath like the three of us, your social engagement lowers, right? But her her students, they're they've been they need more social engagement. Whereas empaths, hypersensitive types, we may need a little less because we're on. We don't always try to be on, but we're typically on. So that's. Yeah. 
Thank you for sharing. Yeah. Well, let it be. Oh, go ahead, Caitlin. Sorry. I'll, I'll let you ask the next question because my questions are on the device I'm using. <laughs> oh. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. What um what would be, you know, maybe three things that you would encourage college students to do if they are experiencing symptoms of anxiety or depression, you know, they're struggling with their mental health? Definitely the first thing is talk to somebody about it. Come to us, tell us what you're feeling, what's going on, and let us help you. I mean, sometimes we can gauge with our students, especially as we're getting to know them. And, you know, we can just tell when they're off. We can tell when something is going on, you know, we can tell. But if it's a student who um, they may not come in as often, we may not see them or interact with them as much, it's going to be harder for us to know if something's going on unless they actually tell us. You know what I mean? Um, so I would definitely say go to talk to somebody, ask for help. Um, and then uh, we, like I said, we refer a lot of our students to counseling, have them, you know, start seeing a counselor regularly. Um, I would definitely express, you know, self-care. You've got to be taking care of yourself. Definitely. Yeah, self-care is really important. And it's not always the easiest, you know. No. It's not always the easiest, but um, yeah. it is very important. Yeah, how do you, Kaylin, you, you're a busy mom and can you share a little bit about how you incorporate with your busy schedule and your personal life? Is that okay to ask? Like, oh yeah, that's fine. Um, and actually it kind of goes hand in hand with one of my classes I'm taking right now because that is part of what we're studying and talking about in our discussions and everything is as counselors, you know, how, how are we taking care of ourselves and how are we going to maintain our own self-care while still taking care of everyone else? Because that seems to be a common issue is you're used to taking care of everybody else. So, you know, you kind of put yourself on the back burner and a really good point that was brought up in class is you can't, well, there's been a couple really good, you know, points. You can't pour from an empty glass. That's one. Can't pour from, from that empty, empty glass and then um, practice what you preach. So, um, or what you teach. So if we are, you know, we're talking to our clients and we're telling them about how to take care of themselves, but we're not really doing the same thing, you know, how effective is that going to be? So I, um, I definitely, um, you know, mental health counseling myself. Um, I think that's important for all counselors to do is, um, you know, participate in mental health counseling themselves. You know, everybody can benefit from counseling. And then um, I think it's also really important for us and others to realize that, you know, even as counselors, we are still human. So we're not exempt from, we're not exempt from issues. We're not exempt from real problems, you know, just because we're counselors and we're usually the ones who are helping solve those problems for people 
doesn't mean that we are not going to have problems ourselves. So we still definitely have to take care of ourselves as well. And um, time management, I would say, is definitely something that I have became really good at. And, you know, with having three kids currently and another one on the way and then working full time, I'm taking six hours in graduate school. So uh, I just have I have a busy plate and uh, sometimes it is definitely a juggling act to get everything done. And I'm sure you all know that it's just life is busy. And I think that you just really have to be um, self-disciplined, I would say, is another good thing. And just manage your time very well. You have to you have to learn that time management and then you still have to you have to you have to stop and think if I'm not taking care of myself, I can't take care of anybody else. Well stated. Kaylin and Caitlin, man, they, they got all these kids. I, <laughs> I had one Caitlin and Caitlin and I thought that was enough, man. I don't know. And they work and do all and look at them. They take care of themselves. I'm just so mm-hmm. impressed. I admire your all's fortitude and tenacity right Rachel it's like wow absolutely yeah yeah amazing yeah thank you thank you yeah Halen thanks for you know discussing how time management right like setting boundaries with your time is self-care I think too often people when they hear the word self-care they think like bath bombs and spa days right but it's the not fun stuff. Like you were saying, like managing your time and, you know, that's really important self-care. Even stopping during the day to say, oh my gosh, I don't think I've had water today. You know what I mean? (laughs) As simple as that is still, that's our self-care. Like (laughs) it's boring sometimes. (laughs) Self-care can be boring, but so vital. Rachel, you did the right thing. Go ahead, Caitlin. Sorry. Rachel hit the nail on the head whenever she said boundaries with your time. For me, that's Mm self-care. Yes. Yes. Choosing what I can say yes to and what I can't. Exactly. Yes. We only have so much bandwidth, you know, (laughs) like, yeah, our time is, is precious and valuable. And just like, we wouldn't like just you know, give our money away to everybody. We shouldn't give our time away to everybody either. Very good point. Yeah. So any other, you know, recommendations or jewels of wisdom you want to give our listeners today, Miss Kaylin? I definitely counseling, you know, mental health counseling, self-care, take care of yourself. And then, you know, ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for help. There are so many people willing to help and guide you and that have information that you may not have and you need. So ask for help, even though that is not always the easiest thing to do. Yeah, the resources are there. No. Just got to use them. Yeah, you guys got to use them. It's hard in in Appalachia. Yes. People to ask for help. That is. And with my students, what I see is they, you know, 
a lot of they fall into my parents didn't do this or my parents didn't go to counseling my parents don't believe in counseling my parents don't ask for help so I shouldn't either you know so kind of dealing and with that and having um, them overcome that as well wow that's so true um, there's this I, I keep moving my hand because I have to unmute but the Appalachian way is, you know, I, was it Caitlin who said, put dirt on it and keep moving? Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting to study where that comes from? Like how we, our culture. So, and Caitlin's right. Like when they say their parents didn't go to counseling. They're serious. Do oh they, yeah. They, they weren't taught mental health. What is mental health? You just grin and bear it. And some of them, they will not, they, do, they don't want their parents to know, you know what I mean? If they are seeking mental health counseling and things like that, they do not want their parents to know about it. So you're doing a great job of raising that awareness at Marshall and what an amazing asset they have in you being there. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. Great heart, good attitude. You're, you're a role model to the, the young ones there. I mean, it's amazing what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't have any more questions left for Miss Kaylin, and I know we're running close to time. So anyone else have any closing thoughts for our listeners? I'm good. I think this was very helpful, beneficial information. Thanks for joining us today. Yes. Caitlin. Thank you all so much for having me. It's been great. Yeah. Well, until Miss Caitlin. I'm just super proud of Caitlin. <laughs> no, we when we were like 18, 19 years old. So we were, uh -huh. we were kids and I've got to see her grow up and grow into this person who gets to help other people. And it's, it's so huge. Um, they, Marshall couldn't have a better person in that role. Um, Thank you. And yeah. Caitlin and I have been together for a long time. And Caitlin is a huge, has always been a huge inspiration to me. And definitely one of the reasons that I wanted to go into counseling because before I even started the program, she was already in the program. So she was already working on her master's in counseling before I started the program. And then she took me under her wing and has guided me this whole time. Even now I'll text her with questions about class or, you know, a counseling topic or things like that for that guidance. Oh, I love that bond. That's all. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. And we look forward to getting to listen to the podcast and we hope our listeners, you know, gain some wisdom about the program at Marshall and how you guys help them. So yes, thank you all so much. Okay. Right. Till next, next time. time. Bye. Bye.